it is a, a day where we honor uh, our Heavenly Father, our earthly fathers, and in this church, we honor our founding fathers. All three essential, important to what we do uh, as a people. And as we think about the season we're in, now that uh, the governor has lifted the, fa the uh, face mandate, it does not mean that the war is over. It has only just begun. Because the enemy, whenever he takes away the visible, he moves into what would call, we call the invisible. That is the spiritual things that are counter to what the Spirit of God wants to do. And there's a battle raging in our nation, uh, even in our world, but especially our nation, over what is truth. And what are we going to fight for as a people? Because I tell you that things are not better. Things are worse. We have now entered into a period of time where um, the administration has done everything it's ca it can to erode away the truths that we hold dear as a people. And I mean that as Americans, but I mean that also as believers in Jesus Christ. For me, it's a very invigorating time. It's an encouraging time because finally the church gets to be the church, amen? It's time that we understand that we, this world is not our home, that we are only sojourners and ambassadors here on planet Earth, preparing the way for the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, who one day the heavens will roll up like a scroll. He will come with the shout of the archangel, and he will declare ultimate and final victory. Amen? Can you put your hands together for that victory? Came across this quote, it was so good, I, I began to just kind of share it to some people that I know, and they all affirmed what a great quote it is. It says, you will never be an exceptional person if you fight only ordinary battles. You know, most of the battles that we fight are battles that don't matter. They're the battles to try to get a little bit further down the highway in front of someone else, the battle to make just a little bit more money, the battle to somehow get in the, the best parking place at the grocery store, those battles don't matter. And yet we spend our emotional energy on those minor battles. We are facing a battle today uh, that circles around cr the critical race theory. This may seem like an unusual subject to speak on on Father's Day, but trust me, we're going to move through this and bring you to the place of understanding what God has to say. Uh, I want you to watch a video. It's a father and daughter against the critical race theory. It's appropriate for Father's Day, so please uh, watch the screens. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't Daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow. Yellow. Right? Black. And, and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See? This is, how, this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. My baby's going to know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone. You can make friends. <laughs> Yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. Isn't that so good? 
I don't know about you, but that just warms my heart. I, you just want to kind of grab her and just hug her, right? She's so cute and so sweet. And, uh, and there is some issues bo- uh, just boiling in our, in our nation. A lot of people say, when they hear this, what is critical race theory? It's basically, now, a couple of things I'm gonna say may be outside of a, of a realm you're, you're constantly thinking about, but I wanna just give you a quick overview. It is really cultural Marxism. So what communism did under the auspices of uh, and the direction of Karl Marx was divide everybody into cl- two classes, the elite and the workers, and the elite had to go. And so cultural or economic or any other kind of theory that you have like that that divides people is never a good thing. Where did all this come from? Well, it came from some people that uh, philosophers uh, like Hegel, who was a German philosopher, uh, like people like um, Karl Marx and a guy named Nietzsche. And these were all anti-God, anti-American, if you could. They weren't Americans, they were Germans. But they were those who, who brought about this division. And it really began back in the early 1800s. It began to surface in America in the 1920s. And then in the 1970s, during coming out of that, that rebellious period of the 60s, it began to birth itself in the universities. So the reason that you see some of the things you see today coming from university is because they were the students of those professors in the 70s and 80s. And so that's what's manifesting. So what, it, what does it really stand for? Well, outside of dividing race, it says there is no absolute truth. In other words, there is no Bible. Oh, it might be a religious book, but it's not a true book. It's only one of many truths that, that's only true because you embrace it, not because it's eternal and divinely set. That's why I say CRT is such a big issue for us. It also divides everybody into the oppressor and the oppressed. So if you're in any room, there's gonna be always someone who's oppressing you and someone who's oppressed. But if you happen to be categorized as the oppressed person, what it does is it diminishes your worth as a human being. That's why this father said, we reject it, why? Because I'm not oppressed. I can do anything I need to do, want to do, if I work hard and do what is right, and he's teaching his daughter the same thing. You see, and that's what we have to do as parents, as fathers today, we speak on this subject that pouring into our children what's true, not just taking them to church, but helping them to understand the world that they live in. The other thing that CRT says is that America must be dismantled. Now recently, uh, Macy Grace, you may know that name, she's, uh, uh, she said we need a new flag. I looked at her and I said she needs a new wig. <laughs> um, why do we, well because that's a flag of the oppressor and we are oppressed by the flag. And this is the craziness that comes out. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Colossae in chapter two and verse eight, a really key scripture, I I really believe you should take note of it. By the way, all the notes that that we give you uh, on Sunday, they're all in your app, so you can go there, you can follow along, these quotes are all right there. But in Colossians chapter two, this is what Paul warned the church about, and this is what we need to be warned about today as well. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. So the idea is there's a strategy to take away from you truth and give you philosophy or empty deceit. And how do we know it? Well, it's according to the tradition of men 
and according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So you see these two are at opposites. On one hand is this philosophical way that we look at life, and it says this makes sense for human beings. Indeed it may, but it is exactly the opposite, and it is working against the principles of Jesus Christ. And so that's why when we think about the kingdoms, we think about the eternal kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and we think about man's kingdom here on earth. The eternal kingdom is just that, it is eternal. It is going to last forever and ever. And the guidebook of that eternal kingdom is the word of God. The Bible says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. And so we understand this principle, that God's word is not just here on planet Earth, it's in eternity because it represents, it is literally the very character, nature, and the power of Almighty God, amen? Amen. Now, we go on here to understand something about how we operate in life, and I wanna give you two principles as we kinda navigate through this subject today. One is the principle of attraction. And I want to define that today as we are drawn to those who point us to our destiny. We are drawn to those who point us to our destiny. If someone speaks into your life and says, you know, I see in you possibilities. I see in you greatness. I see in you influence. I see in you someone who's going to make a difference in this world. There's something very attractive about that, isn't there? There's something that says, I wanna resonate with that message. If someone says, listen, we can do this, then it, we resonate with that. On the other hand, if someone says, you're oppressed, your life's gonna get worse, you know, you're always, always gonna be in this defeatism mindset. So I wanna, I wanna talk to you a little bit about this principle as we work through this passage. The second principle is a principle of management, and that is this. We are responsible to manage what has been revealed. When you read the word of God and God shows you something, then you're responsible to manage that truth. When God shows you, for example, as you're reading the word of God and you go, wait a minute, I have a mission and a responsibility here on planet Earth to bring forth God's kingdom, then you have to manage that because you now have a responsibility before God. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. I had a good friend who played at Memphis State and then played uh, for the Dallas Cowboys uh, years ago, and he was a fairly new Christian. And uh, uh, we were just out to lunch one day, and we were talking, and I was telling him all this stuff about God, and, and, and he was just like eating it all up. And as he was eating it all up, uh, I said, and you know, to whom much is given, much is required. He says, stop, don't tell me anything else. I've already got more than I can manage right now. Do you know that God's power in you can manage whatever God brings to you? I want you to think about that. God's grace will always keep you. He will never destroy you. So if you will move forward in the power and the word of God, you will see God's evidence every step of the way. Sometimes you say, I don't know what God is doing or where this is going. If you're faithful and obedient, God will reveal to you that which you need to know, and he will give you the power and the authority and the wisdom to act according to his word. You see, thy word, the Bible says, is a light unto my feet. In other words, when my feet start moving, the light goes with me. I never stand, when I stand, I, I just stand in, in, in darkness. But when I start to move, God says, I see you moving. Let me show you what I can do. 
When, when Moses led the children of Israel to the Red Sea and they were griping, they were complaining as they saw the enemy coming, Moses went to God and said, God, what are you doing? Have you left us in the desert to die? And he said, quit complaining, quit grumbling, Moses. Tell the people to go forward. And when he went said, let's go forward, they crossed the Red Sea. Now, some people don't believe that all those Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea. They say that was the Reed Sea, just a, a small 12-inch depth of the, of the Red Sea. And I say, well, it's a greater miracle then because all those Egyptians were drowned in 12 inches of water. I love the way that God works. If we're going to lead our households, and whether you're a single parent or whether you're a two-parent household or however you're managing it, these principles are gonna work for you very, very well. Here's the first one. Establish God in your home. Establish God in your home. I don't mean just try to go to church once in a while. I don't mean pray one of those courtesy prayers at dinner. I mean establish God in your home. If ever there was a time you needed God in your home, it's today, amen? Because you're contending with forces out there in the world that are trying to capture, deceive, and cheat you of your reward and the benefits that God has for you in the kingdom. Let me take you back to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter six, one of the most famous passages for the Jewish nation. And for us to keep in mind, it says, hear, O Israel, and this is the word Shema in the Hebrew. It means to hear with the idea of action. Are you listening? Have you ever said that to your children when they're young? Are you listening to me? My mother said that about 20 times a day. I was never listening. I heard words, but I wasn't a good listener. I, went, I took that great skill into the classroom, and all of my teachers marked on there, he doesn't listen very well. Well, I was too busy daydreaming, amen? Anybody relate to that? I mean, I was daydreaming about fun things like going out on recess and, and about show and tell. I mean, my two favorite subjects got A's in both of them. <laughs> but, the, but when God says it, hear, O Israel, he said, hear, listen with the idea that you're going to act on what you hear. So I want you just to take a few moments today and just listen what God says with the idea of putting into practice that which you hear. And here's the first thing he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We believe in a monotheistic God. That means there is one God, but we also believe God is Trinity. And what that means is God is one being, three persons. You say, explain that. I really can't. Let's move on. But here's what he says about that God. You shall love the Lord your God. What does it mean to really love God? It means to listen to what he says and do what he says. It means to put him in front of others, amen? It means to value him above all other things. He says, you shall love the Lord your God, how? With all your heart. All this emotional, spiritual dimension of you, you need to love God and with all your soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, they need to be focused in the direction of God and with all of your strength. Don't give your strength to another. Give your strength unto God. God will multiply that which you have. If you give your strength to another, they will diminish that which you have. You see, God doesn't, ha doesn't expend any energy when he gives you his power. In other words, he's never gonna run out of power. He is all-powerful. He moves universes as easy as he moves a pencil. He never expends an energy, any 
You do. And that's why God says, when I come in you, when my power is in you, you're going to be strong because it's in your weakness that you find me. It's when you say, God, I can't do this without you. God says, I was waiting for you to say that. I'm ready now. I'm gonna fill you. Why do you think it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because without the Holy Spirit, you are powerless. You're gonna act on your own wisdom instead of the wisdom of God. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And then he goes on to say this, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. What does that mean? That means you memorize what God has to say. You lay up in your heart through repetition, through memory, the word of God. Because you see, you never know when the situation's gonna demand the word of God. You're gonna be in a situation, you're, you're not gonna have your phone to pull up. You're not gonna, well, that's probably not true. You're always gonna have your phone, amen? But you're not gonna have your phone to pull up a scripture. You're not gonna have your Bible open to, to read a scripture. And the situation is gonna demand that you respond as prompted by the Holy Spirit, and he can only draw out of your heart what you put into your heart. That's why I tell men, men, read the book of Proverbs every day. Read the chapter corresponding with the chapter uh, with the day of the month. So for example, today you'd read the 20th Proverb. And you read that one. And then tomorrow you'd read the 21st. And I call it guilt-free Bible reading. This is what men really love. Let's suppose you forget for a week. What do you do? Do you have to go back and read all the ones you missed? No, pick up where you remember. But commit yourself to do it the rest of your life. I probably have 3,000 Proverbs memorized, but I can't tell you the reference on any of them because I've only just read them, and all of a sudden I'll be in a situation and it'll demand a scripture and God will bring one from my memory, sometimes from the book of Proverbs, somewhere else, and I may not know the address. It's okay if you don't know the address. Do you know the word of God? For example, when fear comes into you, the Bible says the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So if I'm fearful, I have to ask, is there any wickedness in my heart? Is there any sin in my heart that is keeping me from having strength and power in this situation? Do you see a man skilled in his ways? He will not stand before obscure men. He will stand before kings. Those are both in Proverbs. Where are those at, Pastor? I don't know. I could find him in 30 days, though. You see, God lays those things up. Lays them up in your heart, and then a situation demands, you say, wait a minute, someone tempts you to go evil, to go in the wrong direction. Oh, and then you all of a sudden, you say, wait a minute, the righteous shall be like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in all of its seasons, but the wicked are not so, but shall be like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. That's Psalm 2. Don't want to let you think I don't know any of them. So why is it say here? It says, these words which I command you shall be in your heart. And as you're in your heart, guess what you get to do with them? You get to teach others. You see, you can't teach what you don't know. Great principle, amen? You can't teach what you do not know. He says, you shall teach them diligently. Oh, not half-heartedly. Diligently you shall teach them to who? Your children. Children need the word of God. They need it from mom dad, or one or the other. They need the word of God poured into their life. They need to hear it from your mouth. They need to see you doing that. I can remember as a kid, we grew up in a, a church, and I, I really didn't care for it too much. 
Uh, I didn't come to faith in Christ till I was in college. And the church, I remember, I'd go in. There was no Sunday school or kids camp or anything like that. There was just go to church with your parents. Put on a suit. I used to have to have a bow tie. Remember those bow ties with the elastic? And I'd sit in church. I was so bored, I'd see how far out I could get it before it really hurt my Adam's apple, and I'd let it go. One day, it was, I was especially in trouble when I decided I was gonna make my way to the front. Uh, we sat in the back. That was always a good strategy of my father. Sit in the back in case things go south. We get out of here quick. And I, I was in the back row, and I decided, I wanna see what's going on up there. And I had my little, my little tweed coat on, my bow tie, pants, and some penny loafers. You remember those, penny loafers? And I scooted on my belly all the way to the front. Time I got to the front, I had woolies all over me. I had dust. I stood up. My parents saw me. They were horrified. So I want you to know I've been in church a long time, and I've seen it all. People say, you won't believe. Now, I believe it. I've probably done it or seen it. But it says you're going to take your children, and you're going to talk to them. Not preach to them. You're going to talk to them about the Word of God. Jesus was the master of asking questions. Did you ever notice that? They came, they said, teacher, tell us this. And he said, I will answer you, but first tell me this. Answer my question. You see, questions never bring about division, but statements always do. When you talk to your children, ask them a question. What do you think God would like you to do in this situation? I remember one time our son Josh, many of you know him, he's preached here. Uh, He wanted to go to this Halloween party that looked really not good and healthy. And he was 16. And he came down, he said, Dad, I'm going I'm going to this Halloween party. And I said, that'll be fine. I said, I just want you to do one thing before you go. I want you to go ask God in prayer if you should go to the Halloween party. Well, he stormed upstairs because he knew the answer before he got up there. He came down about 60 seconds. I said, what did the Lord say? He said, you knew what he would say. You don't, the greatest thing you can do for your children is teach them that they are priests before God. That is, they can go to God, talk to God, pray to God, seek God, and God will answer them. Because sooner or later, they have to learn how to do that. Better to learn it early than too late, amen? You shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, the word of God should be poured into your children all throughout the day. It's not something relegated to Sunday. It's something every day. You say, I want to talk to you about God. What's God doing in your life? Have you heard God's voice lately? Well, what does that sound like? And you begin to talk about what it sounds like to you. Sometimes uh, you say, well, I've never heard an audible voice of God, but I know when I'm reading the Bible, God just kind of says, that's for you. And help them to understand. And you as an adult, help yourself to understand what God does. So here's some things we need to hear. We need to hear with understanding. Don't just hear, say, I heard you, now I wanna investigate that, I wanna go deeper, I wanna pray about that. I need to hear for obedience, unto obedience. Am I doing what God says? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Well, if I don't know what they are, I better go back and find them. What did he say that I needed to do? And then hear for transformation. Are you growing as a human being? Are you growing as a Christ follower? Is there something transformational happening in your life and you can look back and go, you know, I'm not perfect today and I'm gonna give you something. You're not gonna be that, right, in this life. But am I making progress in my Christian life? 
Can I look back over the last year and say, I'm stronger in my faith than I was last year. I know more of the word of God than I did last year. What's going on in my life? And then here for generations. In other words, I hear the word of God because guess what? My kids need to hear it. My grandchildren need to hear it. And new research is showing, by the way, that stored in your DNA is your memory. Now this is really interesting. We know there's a lot we know a lot about the brain today that they didn't know back then, but God knew it. This great study of epigenetics and this idea that your brain is malleable. What does that mean? That means you can think and change the way that your brain is functioning. Isn't that interesting? We're also finding that things that we store in our memory literally can be passed on through our DNA to our children and our children's children. It can come as a blessing, it can come as a curse. You see, one of the things we have to understand is in the Bible, God understands things we're only just on the surface of, amen? So when we begin to think about why do I act like my parents? Every kid grows up going, I will not be like them. Amen? Anybody want to affirm that, right? Yeah, your kids, you, kids, you shouldn't say that. Raise your hand. But parents, you can say it about your grandparents and your parents. But you say, I'm not going to do that. When I become a parent, I'm going to be a better parent. No, you won't. You're going to be just like your parents. Mean, obnoxious, and difficult to get along with. Amen? Until you turn about 30 and you go, you know, my parents weren't so bad. Guy was smarter than I thought he was. What is happening here? What do we need to understand? Well, I want you to understand that you can bring a blessing on your household, you can bring a curse on your household. So here's what I'm gonna say. Reverse the curse. Reverse the curse. You see, all of us have things that we're challenged with as human beings. Some of them because of bad choices some of them because the environment we grew up in, some because of what's been passed on genetically to us that we have to contend with. It doesn't give us an excuse for the way we live. It only helps to explain and understand why we do what we do and say what we say. So let me take you to Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. It says, and he, this is the coming one, the Elijah that is coming, promised in the Old Testament, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. So what happens when you have this God encounter? One of the things that God says, and it's especially appropriate today, is that God wants you as a father to turn your heart to your children. The same would be true for mothers, to turn your heart toward your children. Now, fathers have a more difficult time than this than mothers. Mothers are naturally nurturing, caring, they're, 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 they're protectors. Fathers are, are a little bit different. They're, they fall into a little different category of trying to, to always push, push, push and get ahead and, and try to be something that maybe they are or are not. But it says here, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So God says, when I begin to work, I'm gonna move in the heart of a father, but I'm also gonna move in the heart of a child. So what do I do with that? Well, the first thing you can do with that is begin to pray that, God, I pray that my heart will be toward my children, and I pray that my children's heart will be toward me. You see, we, we try to, to do everything mechanically. We try to fix it. You know, well, he's acting like this, so I call my friend. Well, is your kid ever done? Yeah, he did that. What'd you do? Threw up my hands and gave up. Why is it we, find, we go after sources that don't work? 
We need to pursue sources that do work, and that's Almighty God and His Word. Do you realize God can do more with you in five minutes of prayer than He can do than you can do in five hours of labor and worry? Why is it that we come to the place where we say, well, I guess we're gonna have to pray about it? Well, is it a last resort? It seems to me like it ought to be the first thing we do before we call our friend and say, hey, what would you advise me? Pray, seek God, ask God to move. If prayer works, and I believe it does, then pray, pray with all your heart. The Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It says, and then look, notice what he finishes out this scripture with. He said, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God says, when you don't do this, you're going to see the evidence of this on the earth, in families, in children, in communities, in societies, in a whole nation. We are living in a nation that has forgotten this and is in rebellion against the God of heaven. But don't worry, God will not be mocked. God always wins, amen? Let me take you to Exodus 34 and verse seven. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. So what is God like? Well, it says that he's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. This is God. Remember, we began by the Lord, he is one. Well, what, what is he like? He's like these qualities we just gave you. He's merciful, he's abounding in love, he gives you truth. This is God. As worship was going on, and I just love the, the worship that we have here. Thank you, Kim, for being here again this month, and we love having you here. I sent Skylar, her husband, a, a video of her singing. I said, happy Father's Day. Sorry you're not here, you know, but thank you for sacrificing, being here for us and with us. We, we love you for that. And uh, Skylar, we love you if you're watching by live stream up there in, where are you at now, Montana? Montana. You love it, right? Good. Wait till winter. Okay. <laughs> but look what it says. He says, I'm keeping mercy to the thousands. What is this? This is thousand generations, what he's talking about. My mercy goes on to your children, your children's children. What does that mean? That means when you live for God, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are gonna benefit from it to a thousand generations. Isn't that amazing? Forgiving the inequity and the transgression by sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So what happens when I go in rebellion against God as a father, specifically today? What happens when I'm in rebellion? Guess what? that rebellion can carry into the third and fourth generation of my, of my family. It's not that they made a bad decision, but they're gonna have an influence, I'm gonna have an influence on them to a third and fourth generation. Some of that is genetic, some of that is environmental, some of that is behavioral. I will have an effect, you will have an effect. You are affecting your children's children, whether you know it or not. And you will affect them to the good or to the bad. You'll bring a blessing, you'll bring a curse. That's just the word of God. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, it doesn't matter, it's the word of God. It's what we're serving today is the word of God, all right? It says, now look, 
what are these things that are gonna happen? Well, there's a physical dimension we talked about when we talked about the, the brain and epigenetics and how our brain functions. And remember, your head, your brain, your mind is a picture or a type of Christ who is the head of the body. So whatever you think about here is gonna have an effect on the rest of your body. So your mind says, you know, I think I'm gonna make a gesture with my hand. Wow, look at my brain working. I think I'm gonna love the Lord my God with all my heart. Guess what? All of my being then responds to that thought. I don't have time for God. All of my body responds to that thought. I don't know if I believe the Bible. All of my body responds to that thought. I am only going to do what this brain has to say, motivated and inspired and empowered by the Spirit of God or in rebellion against the Spirit of God. So there is a physical dimension, and there's a spiritual dimension too. There's a spiritual dimension. Do you realize that some of us today came to faith in Christ because somewhere along the line there was a praying relative, maybe it was a mother, maybe it was a grandmother, or a father, or a grandfather, and they were literally praying you into the kingdom. They were literally in just putting an envelope around you, if you will, of the power of God, and you came to a place where you said, I couldn't do anything but love the Lord my God. I couldn't do anything but serve the Lord my God. Why? Why? I don't know. I just was drawn. No, you were prayed into the kingdom. You were prayed into the kingdom. You can pray your children and your grandchildren. You can pray relatives into the kingdom, at least give them the right opportunity, let's say, to respond that you'll never meet. Think of it, you will never meet. There's some, you're just not gonna live long enough to ever meet some people that you're going to influence in the kingdom of God. One day you will. One day there'll be a grand reunion in heaven. Somebody will come up to you, looks like you, has your ears, your nose, your lips, whatever you have that's characteristic. You look familiar. Well, I am your sixth-generation grandson or granddaughter. Wow. What are we going to look like in heaven? We're going to look like you look now, except better. Women are always concerned about this. What will we look like in heaven? In other words, what they're really saying is, what age <laughs> and how many pounds will I be in heaven? <laughs> Amen? I mean, that is a big question, right? I mean, because I'd rather just, if that's the case, I'd rather get kind of check out early because I'm going to get stuck in eternity with this, you know, less than perfect situation I'm in. <laughs> hey, I promise you, you know, there's two great words in the Word of God. There is chaos and there is cosmos. God always takes chaos and he turns it into cosmos. We do the same thing here on earth. You wake up, you look in the mirror, you got Chaos. We get the word cosmetic from cosmos, put it in order. I'm not going out without my makeup. Ladies, come on, help me out here. Am I right? Is this not how it works? I mean, my wife is so diligent, I get up to go to the bathroom and she makes the bed. I mean, I don't know what's going on half the time. Here's what I want you to do, speak life over your house. Speak life over your house. Don't curse the ground you walk on. Can you imagine that you're walking in life? Walking is just a picture, a type of orderly, 
orderly living, and you're saying, you know, I, I hate my life, I hate my job, I hate my children, I hate where I live, I hate, I hate, I hate. You're cursing the ground you walk on. Do you really think the ground's gonna look any different? How about you turn around and go the other way? I love my life. Doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. I love my family. I love my job, okay? I love the world I live in. I love the Lord my God. I love, I love, I love. Now that doesn't mean you don't pray for changes, but it means you don't curse the ground that you walk on. You don't curse your kids. So I'd never curse my kids. Sure you would. You'd say, I thought you were smarter than that. That's cursing your kids. That's putting a divine curse on them. See, we think the word curse is using some four-letter word. Oh, no, no, no. Those are minor compared to what we do. Minor. Christians get so self-righteous, they're so worried about somebody who used a four-letter word, and then they are cursing people all around them by talking about them behind their back by diminishing their value as a human being. That's why the Bible says that we're gonna be held accountable for every idle word. That's when you don't wanna be a big talker on planet Earth, amen? I got a lot of idle words going on there. So what I wanna do, I'm gonna speak life. I wanna speak life. Well, let me take you to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. It says, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't let the mindset of this world capture you. Don't let it conform you into its own image, but rather be transformed, how? By the renewing of your, there it is again, your mind. See how critical your mind is for your spiritual life? Your mind is your computer center. By the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good. Prove, you see that? Prove. Look in my life, here's the proof in my life that I've been transformed by God that you might prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. In other words, we are to be the living, moving proof of the will of God. God working in us, what an amazing thing. Let me take another one, Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. How many of you think about things and it takes you on a downward spiral? Should be everybody in this room. Raise your hand, raise your hand. It should be every, I mean, there are times where you go like, I'm thinking about this, and you go, quit thinking about that, I can't think about that, quit thinking about that, think, quit thinking about the pink elephant, oh, it's in my head now, it won't leave. What you think about is going to take you on a journey. And it's gonna be a journey that's either gonna be good or bad. Let me show you this. Paul says this, and I think this is the key, by the way, to fear, anxiety, and challenges in life. I think if you put this scripture in your heart, it's gonna be amazing. It says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, are just, are pure, are lovely, are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So here's what I do. I give myself a Philippians 4 test. Is this thing I'm thinking about, is it true? Well, it might be. Is it noble? Well, maybe not. Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it good report? Is it virtue? Is it praiseworthy? If it disqualifies itself on any one of those qualities, you can't think about it because it will take you on a downward spiral. If there's anything praiseworthy, do what? Meditate on these things. Meditate. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you. If I don't do those things, the God of peace is not gonna be with me. It's pretty easy. It's just a choice. 
Where do I want to go in life? What are, the, so, what are some of the things we can teach our children and what, teach ourselves too? Well, we need to break a poverty spirit. Poverty spirit always looks at the negative, what I don't have, rather than what I do have. When we say we live in a land of opportunity, we mean it, don't we? We live in a land of opportunity. We have an opportunity before God. We have an opportunity in our, in our, in our world here to see things and say, it's not that I, I don't, you say, well, I only have this much money. That doesn't matter. Where's your source? Is your source your job? God can take your job away and just like that. Well, you know, I, I don't have much for retirement. Well, who, what makes you think you're gonna make it to retirement? You might check out early and then everybody else is gonna spend it. You see, you, you can't put your emphasis in the wrong place. God is my source. I can make preparation for my future, but God is my source. I don't trust in me, I trust in God. And then inspire vision. I, I always inspired vision. My kids, I look at them, my wife, we look at them, we say, you're the greatest kids on planet Earth. They might be not. <laughs> right? But I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna stop inspiring them to be great and to say I believe in you and I trust in you and you're gonna do great things and you're gonna do greater things than I did and you're gonna and go on and on and on. And Josh told me one time, said, I heard you talking about me one time and I wondered, who, what child was that? <laughs> Inspire vision. Proverbs chapter 12, verse seven says, the house of the righteous shall stand. Is your house gonna stand? Is your house gonna stand? The house of the righteous shall stand. Proverbs 24, verse three, through wisdom is a house built. Is your house being built on wisdom? Build it on wisdom. You know, this is a, a week where many have, have graduated from everything from grade school to junior high to high school to college to graduate studies. One of our members who's been here from the very beginning, uh, Helene Morris, is received her doctor's degree from USC this week. And we just celebrate that. But we know that we've got many graduates in the room right now. I want you just, if you graduated uh, this year, would you just stand up, or maybe you missed your graduation last year, would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up and let us put our hands together for you. Amen. Amen. People keep standing up. I guess you just graduated in the last four seconds. Amen? All right, now, now here's what I wanna do is keep standing, all right? If you, if you sit up, keep standing, all right? Now, if your family member is with you today, if you'd stand up, if, you, if you're a family member, would you stand up with them? Stand up. Okay, that's good. That's good. Now, if you're a friend of anyone who's standing up, would you stand up? Anyone who's graduating, your friend, okay, that's good. Okay, now, if you're currently sitting down, would you stand up? All right, now here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna give a prophetic blessing over you as a graduate and over you as a people. And I really believe that this blessing is for every person in the room, every family member. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Uh, we're going to pl play and sing here in just a moment, but as you're coming, I want you to come to the front, if, if, especially if you're a graduate, I want you to come here first, come around the front. I'm gonna put a prophetic blessing over you today. And then if you're a family member, I want you to follow. Just come on, just don't, don't delay. 
can't believe all of you are graduating. What? It's a great group. Amazing. Amazing. Look at all these graduates. All right, now if you're a family member, would you come up here and just gather around them? Anybody else wants to come? We're going to put this up on the screen. You see it over here? And I'm going to pray this. You're, going to, you're just going to repeat after me. It goes like this. In, in the name of Jesus, I declare the blessing of a thousand generations on me and my family. My life will be marked by good decisions and obedience to the Word of God. I will destroy the works of the enemy. Future generations will prosper. My commitment is established in heaven and declared on earth. I break the poverty spirit in the name of Jesus. I break every, every generational curse in the name of Jesus. I break the evil influences in my life. I will prosper. Say it again, I will, will prosper. I declare God's power over my life and over future generations in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Can you say, I receive it. I receive it. Let's sing and declare his praises. God inhabits the praises of his people.